for such a beautiful, beautiful, elegant way of singing that song. That song was about the storms in our lives, and it's fitting because our text today will be surrounding uh, a storm. But allow me to introduce myself to you if we've not met before. My name is Samuel Mock. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at College Hill Presbyterian Church. It's my honor to bring you God's word this morning. We've been in this series called How It Started and How It's Going. This series has had us look at the early church to catch a vision for what our church today should look like. We want to learn from their victories that they had in the Holy Spirit, as well as the mistakes that they had. And so we've been following along the early church, and recently we've been following the Apostle Paul. Paul, if you don't know him, he was persecuting the church. God shows up to him in a miraculous way and then calls him to be an apostle and to serve his church. And when I ask people regularly, who's your Bible hero? Most people would say Jesus, um, because, you know, he's number one. He did the thing that none of us could do, but closely after him, people regularly say Paul. And I, I said, why? Why do people admire Paul so much? As I began to think about this and wrestle with it, I realized the reason that we admire Paul is because he maximized his purpose for Christ. Paul, just like us, was a sinner, flawed, yet he was obedient and he followed Christ. Paul even talks about his struggle with sin in Romans 7, 15, where he says, I do the things I do not want to do, and the things I want to do, I do not do. So yes, Paul, he was a sinner, but he made his life count. He knew Jesus, he was sold out for him. And I think that's the reason we look to Paul. Because just like us, he understood that he was flawed, but he also understood that God and his love and mercy had done something amazing in his life, and he wanted to tell the world about it. And so because of that, Paul was able to tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. When I first heard this, I was like, how boastful, Paul, imitate you? But then as I looked at his life, Paul, it seems like he did his very best to follow God and point other people to him. And that was an encouragement to me. And I said, how do I have impact like that? How do I begin to impact the people around me the way that Paul did? Well, I'm glad that you're asking the same thing. We're going to talk about it today. But first, allow me to pray. Let's go to our Father, and then we will open up the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to come together and to glorify you. To just be here with you, allowing the distractions of life to fall to the wayside. That we may focus our full attention on you and hear from you so that we could be empowered to be your people. That we might change the world around us our friends and our family members, that we may love them better than we did before we got here. God, help us, guide us, let us learn from you, from your scriptures, as we learn from the apostle Paul. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name, that I pray these things. Amen. So as I studied 
Paul's life in this text, there's three things that stood off the, the pages to me. See, Paul, he holds his plans loosely. And I know what you're thinking. How does that really set me up to have impact for Christ? Well, whenever we hold our plans loosely, what we're really doing is we're submitting our plans to Jesus. We're saying, I've got an idea of how this should go, but also, God, if you change the plan, I'm okay with it. Then I I saw that Paul, he believes God, not just believes that there is a God, and not just believing that Jesus loves him, but he even believes the promises that he's told by Jesus. And these promises are what set him up and empower him to reach out to others. In the toughest of times, Paul is steadfast because he believes God's faithfulness. And finally, that faithfulness leads him to speak boldly about the God he believes. These are the three things that I pray that we will take away from this text at the end of today. So I want to give you some quick context, and then we're going to dive into our scripture. So Paul, he had a desire to go to Jerusalem and Rome on a missionary journey. In Acts 19.21, he says, I must go to Rome. Later on, later on, God tells him, you will go to Rome. But it's funny, Proverbs 19.21 as well says, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. See, Paul, he does go to Rome, but not the way that he had intended. He expected to go as a missionary. He arrives in Jerusalem and is immediately arrested. But this allows Paul to go before governors and kings in order to share the good news of the gospel. He gets the ear of some of the most powerful people because he's in chains. And eventually he pleads his case and he says, I want to speak to Caesar. Now, Caesar is the most powerful person in Rome. And it's because Paul is a prisoner that he's allowed to speak before Caesar. And so while this wasn't Paul's plan, it is God's plan. And all this time, as I said, Paul holds his plans loosely. He's like, I got to go to Rome. I'm sure he didn't think he'd go bound and chained. But yet Paul still goes as a preacher and a prisoner, and he stays faithful. And the centurion uh, who's in charge of Paul, they're headed towards Rome. They decide to get on a boat. Instead of staying in a place called Fairhaven, which is boring, they're like, yo, let's go to Phoenix. Now, not our Phoenix, but this fun place at Phoenix. It was better for the boat docking, but it was also better for the soldiers over the long winter. They were like, yo, let's go to Phoenix. We're going to have a good time there. Paul says, hey, Bad idea, like, I'm not a sailor, I know, but I've been shipwrecked three times, so I know what I'm talking about when I say that this is not the time that you want to go on the water. And they're like, let's take a vote. Us against Paul, let's go. And so Paul and them, they go. And this is where our text picks up at Acts 27, 13. It says, now when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, because they thought, oh, the weather's just right for sailing. They weighed anchor and sailed along creek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeastern struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, being driven along. This means that the wind has taken the boat. They have no control over the boat at this point. Kata, 
we managed with difficulties to secure the ship after hoisting it up. This is like a tiny ship. On the side of the ship, it's like a bailout ship. Um, then, fearing that we would run aground on Citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day, they threw ship tackles overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, meaning they was getting hammered by the winds and the waves, all of our hope of being saved was abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood an angel of the God whom I belong to and worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sell with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took soundings and found 20 fathoms. Soundings was a way that they measured how close they were to the land because they weren't. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. As the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they had lowered the ship's ship into the sea under pretenses of laying out anchors from the bow. So the sailors are like, we're getting off the ship. It's going to wreck. They take the small ship, and they're in the front like, oh, we're going to lay out some anchors. But what they're really doing is trying to escape. And at this moment, Paul says, "If these men, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. He's speaking to the centurion and the soldiers. The soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship, of the ship's boat, and it is let go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that we have continued in suspense and without food. Having taken nothing, therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from any of your heads. And when he had said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, and broke it and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were all, in all, 2,276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, and they did not recognize the land, but they had noticed a bay with a beach on it, in which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and let left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking, but striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. 
Then the soldiers planning to kill the prisoners, and the reason they were planning to kill the prisoners was if a Roman soldier left a uh, prisoner or a prisoner escaped, they would have to incur the punishment of the, the prisoner, which all of these prisoners were sentenced to death. So they're going to kill them because they're like, I'm not going to die on your behalf. So planning to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all who were brought, all who were there were brought safely to land. So we have this crew, they're on a, on a journey with Paul. Paul is a prisoner, and they set sail to Phoenix. They run into this crazy storm, and they begin to chuck the grain. Uh, this is important because the grain is actually what the ship is for. It's a grain ship, and this is how they make their money. But in the middle of the storm, when they're absolutely terrified, they begin to get rid of the grain in order to lighten the ship. Then they throw the tackle overboard. The tackle is actually what they use to put the grain on the ship. And so they've basically demolished their profits and also demolished their ship. Then the text tells us the sun and stars had not appeared for many days. This is how they navigated their ships in that day, which means they now incurred a great loss of finances and they don't know where they are. They're doing everything they can in the midst of this storm. The storm is raging about them, and they believe they're going to die. And the scripture says, all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. This paints a picture of exactly where they are in this moment. And most of us, we would have been taken out by this. Let's be honest. Paul, he had planned to go on this missionary journey. He's like, man, I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to preach this great gospel. And then here he is. He's been falsely accused, so he's arrested. People are ignoring his sound advice, and he finds himself in the middle of a storm that could kill him and could have been avoided had they listened to him. At this point, I'll be honest, I would have been very likely to have my own pity party. I'd have been pulling out cups and inviting everyone to it. Let's be honest, when, when Paul experiences these things, when we experience this kind of, let's say, misfortune, it's easy to get mad at those around us, mad at the people on the boat. If I would have been Paul, I'd have been like, God, just save me. Save me, Lord. I'm supposed to go to Rome. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. What you have allowed to happen to me is unfortunate, but if you could just save me. I know that I'm on this boat. We took this stupid path. I advised against the God. You heard me. I gave great advice. They didn't listen, but God, if you would just save me. Or it could be easy to be mad at God himself. Instead of being mad at the soldiers saying, God, I can't believe you allowed this to happen to me. I've been serving you faithfully. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. You told me to go to Jerusalem. I went to Jerusalem. I was arrested. And now I'm on the way to Rome, and I'm on the ship, and I'm going to die. It could have been so easy for Paul to lose his perspective, but instead he holds his plans loosely. His perspective instead is the God I belong to and the God that I worship. That's what he says to the men as he's talking about the message he had received from God. This lets us know Paul's heart, his humility in the middle of this storm. 
It would have been easy to point the finger, but instead, Paul relies on prayer. You might say, how do you, how do you know that? I listened to you read that whole passage, and I never heard anything about prayer. Was given to us by the response of the angel to Paul. The angel said, God has granted you all those who sell with you. And this implies that Paul had been praying on their behalf. So Paul is in the middle of this crazy storm on a journey that he said, this is a bad idea. We're going to lose our cargo. We could even die. And yet he's praying for the very people that have put him there. Not only that, he's praying to God who's allowed all of this to happen to him. He's kept perspective of who he is and who God is. He's acknowledging that God's plan is greater than his own. He's holding his plans loosely. And this sets him up. This sets him up to have impact. When we hold our plans loosely, it helps us focus on God instead of our situation. It's an act of humility. And when we focus on God, we're open to how we can glorify him, no matter our situation. So all hope seems to be lost, but then Paul is told they will be saved, and he believes it. His situation hasn't changed, but an angel comes and says, don't worry, you will be saved. Everyone with you will be saved. Do you know how much faith it would have taken to tell 276 other people? Don't worry about this storm. I know y'all been shook. Y'all haven't eaten in days. But we're going to be okay. He says, take heart, men. Take heart in the middle of the storm. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. What faith Paul has in the middle of a hopeless situation. See, it's in the middle of the storm that Paul is praising God and pointing others to him because he believes God. He's holding his plans loosely and he's believing God's promises. And we're called to do the same thing. I recognized as I was reading this text and talking to God, he told me the level to which you believe me is the level to which you will share my good news. It would have been easy for Paul to get that message. He'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to keep this to myself just in case it doesn't come through. I know God said this, but it doesn't look like we're going to make it. And so I could just you may, maybe tell Luke, like, hey, man, God said we're going to be all right. But, you know, just in case he didn't come through, don't tell everybody. But Paul gets up before everyone and he tells them this good news, that they will be saved. And while we may not have been locked in a literal storm on a boat, we have storms of life. We have death of a family member, a lost job, or even a betrayal of a close friend. These things are painful moments in our life that give us an opportunity to speak to God's goodness and his grace and faithfulness for us. C.S. Lewis once said, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pain. It is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If I could be so bold as to add to such a theologian's statement, I would say our pain is also 
It's also in our pain that God gives us a megaphone to reach those around us. It's in the very moment that we're hurting, that we've experienced these great losses, that people gather around us, our friends and our family member. It's when they check on us the most. And it's when we have a great opportunity to present God's faithfulness, even in the face of our storm. I share this with you because I've seen it not only in this scripture here, but in my own life. In 2021, January of 2021, my grandmother passed away from cancer. She had stage four cancer. She died. In the middle of my grieving process, three months later, my mother would be diagnosed with cancer. And we were at uh, our young adults group. I'm, I'm talking to the young adult. Loves us. And at the end of our time together, I say, hey, my, my prayer request this week is I'm not over grieving my grandmother's loss. And yet, my mom has been diagnosed with cancer. One of them looks at me, he says, how are you here? How are you able to speak to God's great faithfulness and love for you when you're in the middle of such pain? When you, there's no way you can see it. You just lost your grandmother. Your mom is diagnosed with the exact same deadly disease. How could you be here? I was able to share God's love and faithfulness because I believed it. And because I believed it, it was shocking to them. This is a reality for each of us. When we're in the middle of a storm, when it looks like there's no hope, people lean in. It's in that moment that your belief affects their belief. It's in the storm that we have a megaphone to reach the people around us. And Paul models this for us here. I don't tell you this to brag about my faith, but instead to show you that this is truth. Paul shows us when we believe God and we trust him in the middle of the storm, it has impact. So Paul tells them, you won't die, but we're going to have to wreck the boat. And we'll be stranded on the island. Ain't God good? Like, we're going to be stranded, but at least we're not going to die. This would not have been good news to the men. In fact, the scriptures tell us for 14 nights, they've not eaten. They're so terrified. As the young people say, they were shook. They get close to land and they start measuring to see how close are we to this wreck. It's just like us to try to, even though we have no control over the situation, I just want to know, like, how close is it? When is it going to happen? I just want some kind of semblance of control. And they pray that day would come so they could at least see and try to take control. But Paul's already told them what will happen. We are going to wreck. The sailors, they begin to drop those anchors, as I said, because they want to escape. We try to find any way outside of God's way to secure our own salvation. And Paul, he notices this and he tells the centurion, hey, if those guys leave, if you and your soldiers don't have nautical experience, we are going to die. And so the soldiers, they cut the line and finally... As Paul had said, he repeats himself saying, guys, take hope. You will not die. 
And then he breaks bread. He gives thanks to his God before all of them. And he begins to eat. This is the second time Paul tells them, it's going to be okay. God has told me so. And then he breaks bread. That's what I think about food. It's been 14 days for these guys, and they have not eaten. They have to be starving, but they're so scared they can't take their eyes off what little water they can But this time, when he tells them, he prays to God, breaks bread, he begins to eat, and his leadership and his faith in God changes how they see their circumstance. They all begin to eat as well. They believed the same thing they believed. That told me, man, sometimes you got to stay faithful to the message even when people aren't receiving it. you got to share God's promises and good news with people even when they don't want to hear it. Paul shows us what it means to be a bold witness even when the situation hasn't changed, even when the storm is still there, even when they can't see before them. They don't know where they are. They're completely lost. He's still bold before them, saying, God has told me this. I understand at times it can be hard to share. It's hard to share in the face of rejection. It feels like every time I share this good news about God, people just, they don't listen. They don't want to hear it. It's hard to share this good news. But what God told me, he said, your faithfulness is measured by what you do, not what they do. You are called to share this good news and continue to share it. And maybe you'll see the change in people's lives like Paul did, how they were encouraged, but maybe you won't. We are called to be faithful to the message of Jesus Christ, just as Paul was. And by the grace of God, some of us may see it change people's lives and others of us may not. But trust that it has an impact on those around us. And what we see from Paul is the more we believe God, the bolder we will be with his message. If you believe that he's a savior, that he truly does love us, the bolder you can share that good news because it's impacted you. Because you know that there's no other way to be saved than by Jesus Christ. The truer that rings for us, the easier it is to share it to the ones we love. So, just as God had told them, the ship makes it to the island. And as it does, well, not to the island, it actually wrecks, but close to the island, and as it does... The uh, soldiers are like, we're going to kill these guys. Like, we don't want the death that they have been sentenced to. So we're going to kill all of them. But God's favor shows up again for Paul. And it shows up in the centurion who's in control of all these soldiers. And he basically says, no, don't kill them. Instead, guys, swim to shore. For those of you that can't swim, there are pieces of the boat. Grab onto it. This is the Titanic. Everyone gets a, uh, everyone gets a door. There is no jack in this river. And so everyone is saved. And we see that Paul's prison becomes his platform. This happened because Paul, he held his plans loosely. It didn't matter what it looked like. 
He said, God has a plan. I wanted to go to Rome. Now it's all expenses paid. It's basically a cruise. A couple of rough nights on the water, no big deal. My God's bigger than the storm. He was willing to follow God no matter what changed. And he believed God when he said, you're going to make it to Rome. He believed God when he said, everyone with you will be saved. And because he believed, he was bold and able to share that with the people around him. What impact it must have been for them after those 14 days, after they had landed on solid ground, that just as Paul said, the God he served said we would all be saved when it seemed hopeless and we were. Today, you, you're you on a journey. I'm on a journey with you. And we may be in different areas of our journey. The reality is, some of us, we may be like those sailors. We're trying to save ourselves in our own way, throwing over the tackle, the grain, whatever we can do to save ourselves. We've tried everything we can, and it's costing us like it costed them. You may even feel lost like they were. Your navigation system is broken. You don't know where you're headed. Can I tell you, just as Paul told them, I believe God. There is one who is a savior who can save you. His name is Jesus Christ. He came, lived the perfect life, the one and only son of God, that we might have relationship with him. He died on the cross for our sins, purifying us and justifying us before God. He is the one and only way that we can know God and be saved. And so Paul, he's going to Rome to share this good news, and I get to drive six minutes down the road to share it with you. Maybe maybe you're following God and you realize, I'm just holding my plans a little too tightly. Whenever something happens in my life, a little hiccup, I get angry with God. I get angry with the people around me. Maybe it starts with just asking God to change your heart. Ask him, why is it that when my life plans change, I get so frustrated? Why do I lose sight of the bigger picture of what you are doing, God? And sit with God in the silence. After you ask him, just sit. Be there with him. And you'll be shocked at the things that he brings to your heart and mind. Maybe for you, you're struggling to believe God's goodness in the middle of your pain. Get community around you. The beautiful thing about having other people in your life is they can speak to the promises that sometimes fall on our deaf ears. There's moments where we don't have the strength, and so we need others who can speak to us and tell us the goodness of God, even when we don't have the strength to believe it. It's what Paul was to those sailors, and eventually it rang true for them. This is a great opportunity to join our growth groups. I'll tell you more about them later, but it's a great way for you to be in community with other believers and to be encouraged and loved on, no matter what season of life you are, whether it's good or bad. And maybe today you're you're struggling just to share God boldly. Sit with God. Ask him, God, what is it? What is keeping me from being willing to share about you? Talk to your friends. 
ask them, the ones that believe, ask them, hey, what's, what do you think keeps me from sharing God? Sometimes our friends have a closer idea about what is keeping us from doing the things we want to do than maybe we do. They have sight into your life that maybe you don't have. But also, they can provide accountability for you. Decide who is it you want to share with over the next week. Ask a friend to hold you accountable to that. And then check in with them next Sunday over coffee. We're all on this journey together. Let us grow together as we lean into what God is calling us to. Holding our plans loosely, believing God and his promises, and speaking boldly about the one that saves us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around and hear your word. This is a privilege that is easily, easily missed. Around the world, there aren't, there are people who don't get this privilege, God. And so we just, we thank you for this, that we can come together and celebrate your good news. Father, I I lift up Maggie and Dave Smith's granddaughter, Olivia Ann. She is in the NICU, Lord, and and I I praise you that she's returned to her birth weight. But there's more work to be done, God. You are a healer. Step into that situation. Continue to fight on her behalf. And Father, I lift up her, her parents and family and their network of supporters. God, I ask that you would... Continue to encourage them. Send a word their way in the middle of this season. God, I pray for Cindy Carlson and her surgery on Tuesday. And I thank you that her first surgery was successful. Lord, do what only you can do. God, I pray for our sister church, New Life at Calvary in Cleveland. A tornado took a third of their roof and caused massive damages, and I just pray that you give the session, as well as the two pastors, Kelly and Antonia, give them courage, give them wisdom as they face this trying time. And Lord, I pray for Eileen Boyd, who's in the hospital. I lift her up to you, Father. You are a healer. We believe you when you say you can do it. And so show up in her life. Heal her, God. And I pray for the, the three families in Florida who experienced the death of their family members due to a hate crime, God. And I pray for the, the family of the shooter, God, that you would be bringing peace to all of them. And that you would be showing them your faithfulness and your love right in the middle of the storm that they're in. I pray for all of those under the sound of my voice, both here in person as well as online and online days to come. God, you know the things on our heart. Help us to trust you and to love you more. Comfort us in the middle of whatever is going on. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen.